Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Matthew chapter 7 in our Bibles, we're working through a series again I've titled Jesus Worldview. And we look at a, uh, well, I'm going to try to make it more fun if I can, but again, Matthew 7 is just kind of a heavy chapter, but I'm going to try to lighten it up if I can. But the text is there, so how about a little joke, what do you say? There's an elderly couple who in their old age noticed they were getting a lot more forgetful, so they decided to go to the doctor, and the doctor told them that they should start writing things down so they don't forget. And they went home, and the old lady told her husband to get her a bowl of ice cream. And she said, you might want to write it down, she said. The husband said, no, I can remember that. You want a bowl of ice cream. She then told her husband she wanted a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream, and she said, write it down. She, he said, no, no, I can remember that. You want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream. Then the old lady said she wants a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream and a cherry on top. Write it down. She told her husband, and again, he said, no, I got it. You want a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream and a cherry on top. So he goes to the ice cream and spends an usually a long time in the kitchen, over 30 minutes, and he comes out to his wife and hands her a plate of eggs and bacon. The old wife stares at the plate for a moment, then looks at her husband and says, Where's the toast? Sermon number 33 through the book of Matthew. The title of the message is Wolves and Preacher's Clothing. Wolves and Pe Preacher's Clothing. Yes. Listen, if you were the devil, I hope you're not. If you were the devil, I hope not attending church at Legacy today, what would be one of the best ways to get people far from God? And make... And, and, and more into living for themselves and not making a difference in the world and the world around them. I think he has found the best way to do this. It's already being instituted in America. The best way to get people is to get them comfortable. So comfortable that they think they are Christians, but maybe actually aren't. If you could somehow deceive people into thinking they are following Jesus and going to heaven, but they actually aren't, this would be the perfect deception, wouldn't it? This is truly pulling the wool over people's eyes. This is, this is working a person over to the highest level, hustling them, tricking them. One of the best ways to infiltrate an army is not just to attack them from the outside with guns blazing, but to get a spy on the inside, to get someone on the inside who looks like one of them and acts and lives like one of them, but in the end is deceiving them to actually implode on the inside. Wouldn't that be a great trick? The enemy has actually inf infiltrated some churches in America. He has got the leadership in the perfect place. They do the work for him. They deceive the people into thinking things about God that aren't true. They pump people up full of candy every week and make them feel good in the moment, but they never feed them healthy food or nutrients. So 
when the time comes for battle, they're weak and decayed on the inside. One of the best ways to weaken an army is to starve them of nutrients and then kill them through unhealthy preaching and teaching. There are a lot of churches right now that cannot get back open and can't get back to having a church service. Now, I know that you're, you're looking at our church. It's like, what do you mean? Like, we're having church right now. There are a lot of churches in L.A. that are just creeping into trying to figure out what this even looks like. And what's happened is so much, so many problems have come in over the last year that now there's so much argument amongst the leadership and amongst the people that they can't even come to conclusions as to how to reopen and to get back worshiping back at church. It's subtle and it's perfect. It's like... The, the ultimate Trojan horse. The Church of America has many wolves and preachers' clothing, and Jesus warns us about it. He says what to watch out for because they will look like you. They will say great stuff, but it won't be the full truth. It won't be a full meal. It, it will be a half-truth. Isn't that how political, the political world gets? This is how we get terrible people and policies in power or to pass. You know, I don't know they get a terrible, but how in the world did they pass that? I'll tell you. They package the terrible bill in the middle of thousands of pages of good stuff that they want to pass. Then when the thousands of pages of good stuff passes, there's something in there in the middle of that stack that nobody read through and nobody looked at. It's just too much to stop. We need all this other stuff to happen, so whatever. Just pass it. Everybody just vote on it. Let's go. And it happens, and then we wake up, and boom, we got terrible stuff on the inside. If you don't know about the Trojan horse, this is ancient Greek mythology. The Trojan horse is a tale from the Trojan War about the plan that the Greeks used to enter the city of Troy and win the war. After a fruitless 10-year siege, the Greeks constructed, check this out, a huge wooden horse and hid a select force of men inside the horse. A giant wooden horse, as big as this building. And they put a bunch of men on the inside of it. And the Greeks pretended to sail away, and the Trojans pulled the horse into their city as a victory trophy. That night, the Greek force crept out of the horse and opened the gates for the rest of the Greek army, which had sailed back under cover in the night. The Greeks entered and destroyed the city of Troy, decisively ending the war. They broke in from within. Pastor, are you nervous about people breaking in from within? Not really. What, you're not? Nope, because God's watching. He's the boss. And we want to sneak in. They want to steal money. They want to cause problems and division over here, this and that. Okay. You want to mess with God? You're good. I'm good. I step back and watch the Lord orchestrate these things. Over seven years, I've seen some very detailed things happen. And I just like sit back and sure, I get bummed and I get sad about it. And then I just watch the Lord move and work and boom, before you know it, the person is gone. I don't have to have a mind that can see or understand everything. We have God taking care of the church. 
as long as I just stay faithful to this as best as I can and keep worshiping and serving Him as best as I can, I believe that God will take care of our church. Metaphorically, a Trojan horse has come in to trick and cause there to be a target right in the middle of us at times. And look, you can't stop those things from happening. It's going to happen. But if we have eyes and hearts to discern that truly want the Lord, and, and really a congregation who just really wants to love and worship God, when that kind of stuff comes around, people are just like, uh, no, 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 something's off. That's not right. You see, there are wolves in pulpits today. And I say this to you, church, because I love you and I love the church and I want to see the church flourish more than ever. Whether they realize what they are doing or they don't, some preachers may not know, only God knows, but I am to warn you of these types of preachers and churches. Why? Because Jesus has told me to. Jesus actually does it in our text today. He talks about it, which forces me to talk about it on Father's Day. I wish I could talk about something else. But he talks about it, so i got to talk about it. And number two, because I do care about the church. I love you, Legacy, and I want the best for us. I never want anyone in here to be taken advantage of by some false teacher or preacher. Look, even if you end up in another church long term, even if you end up moving away, you go somewhere else or something happens, I'm good with that. But the Lord has His way of moving us around and taking us to different places, praise God, if I as a pastor get to sharpen and encourage and build up and strengthen and then you step into other churches or you're church hunting and looking for another place to worship, you're able to discern and be able to see a church that truly, genuinely wants to worship and love God. Listen, the more you don't know, the easier it is for us to be deceived, huh? That's why I teach through the Word of God here at Legacy. I want you to know the full counsel of God, the whole Bible. So when the counterfeit shows up, or if I ever get off track and start doing something else, people are going, well, excuse me, excuse me, you, you preached this whole Bible thing all these years, and now you're going to go off and start teaching some weird stuff over there? I'm sorry. That, that's not how we were taught. That's not what we were told. Jesus never said that. Praise God for Jesus. He is the Word come forth in the flesh to declare and show us who God is. And He loves His people. And there's no way He's letting a wolf come into His sheep and grab one by the leg and start pulling the sheep away. He's not going to let it happen. The great shepherd is watching, praise God. He's protecting, he has us. We're going to read just three verses. Well, we'll read to verse 20, but we're covering two verses today. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? We always stand for the reading of God's word to pay honor to him. Remember whose word we're reading. It's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns our hearts and our spirits, praise God. Here's Jesus' words on false teachers, false prophets. Take a look. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. 
Jesus says to his boys, he's like, come in, guys. Come on, I got something to tell you. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this warning. We thank you that you care about us, that you love us, you want the best for us. And Lord, we pray that you would teach us to be Bereans, Lord, that we would protect one another, that we would encourage one another in your truth, and that we would, we would be able to be a city on a hill that shines brightly in this city for your glory, with your love, with your peace. Keep us close to you, Father. Guide us in truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Remember what Jesus has talked about? Last week we looked at a sermon titled, Though no one go with me, still I will follow. Jesus pointed out that we should enter the narrow gate. Few find it, though it is a hard path. It is the way that leads to life. He told us to stay away from the wide gate that many find because it's easy, but it leads to destruction. We give up the world to follow Jesus. We truly do. Now the Lord transitions into warning us against false, false teachers who subtly pull people away from Christ. False teachers deceive people. I like using the word subtle. It's very important. Because it's very rare for someone to be deceived um, very sharply and quickly. It's always a very, very subtle move. It's a nice, clean sleight of hand, like a magician. You don't see it happening. This is deception. Have you ever deceived yourself? Have you ever believed and kept on believing something that was simply not true? And even though you saw the evidence in front of your face, you just kept wanting to believe something? We will subtly deceive and pull ourselves into things because we do not want to understand or see that we are wrong. We have people who do this, false teachers that deceive people, again, fully aware or unaware, some of these guys on TV, working people over for money, doing all kinds of stuff. It happens. The devil has not stopped working. He works 24 hours, seven days a week. He's the father of lies and the king of deception. The best thing he can do is fool people into thinking they are Christians, but they're not. This is the most amazing magic trick. Get somebody to actually think they're Christian, but they actually are the furthest thing away from God. Jesus speaks of the devil and those who are tricked into following him. Listen, it's in John 8, verse 44. For you are the children of your father, the devil, Jesus said. And you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But his lies are sneaky. 
Let me show you how. All the way back to the beginning of the story, do you remember the Garden of Eden? Remember the snake slithers up to Eve? And what does he say? What does he say to her? Has God really said? So he challenges God's word. He says, did God really say you're not to touch or eat of the forbidden fruit? Did you catch it, Bible students? He already lied. He already lied. How? It sounds clean. God never said you can't touch it. He added a word. God said you are not to eat of it. God never said you can't touch it. You can touch all you want. You can dance around the tree. You can go do whatever you want. Lay in the shade if you want to. He just said, enjoy the garden I made. Just don't eat of that thing over there. He says, did God really say you can't touch or eat of it? I wonder why he said that. Maybe because Eve was like, yeah, he did say we couldn't touch it. And Eve walks up and touches it and nothing happens. Well, nothing happened when I touched it. Maybe I can eat it too and nothing will happen. It's subtle. It's sneaky. It's always been about God's word from the beginning. Did God really say? And this is the challenge in our society. Really. This is a way bigger discussion and conversation, but I love it. Everything about the universe comes back to this one thing. Has God really said this about marriage? Has God really said this about family? Has God really said this about male and female? Has God really said this about society? Has God really said this about right and wrong? Has God really said that he is this way? Has God really said this? This is the entire discussion of the universe. Did God really say? And this has been the challenge from the beginning. And that is why we always go back to what God has said. And that's why I look at the words in detail. Because I want to know what He has said. Did He say not to touch it? Did He say not to eat it? These details are very important if God has said it. The enemy does this. He always just barely twists it. To lie and deceive, it's subtle, and that's how he gets us. We'll just cover two verses today, the rest of these verses next week. What do you say? Okay. Jesus uses the word beware. Wow. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Ravenous. Ravenous? Why did I add the gis on there? <laughs> Ravenous wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruits. Jesus said you can actually see it. You can actually recognize them. Let's break it down. Beware of false prophets. Prosecco is the Greek word here. And it means to hold the mind towards, to pay attention, to be cautious about, to apply oneself, to adhere. Beware. Beware. Adhere, hold the mind, pay attention, don't miss it. It is the picture to bring a, a ship to land and simply to touch at or put in, to beware. Here it comes. The ship is coming into dock. Watch closely lest you wreck the thing. Beware, the ship is coming. Here's a giant cruise ship coming in. A pirate ship is coming in. Careful, it's coming. Beware before we wreck the whole thing. Church, 
We need to be aware of false teachers who can wreck the ship. We have to be aware of this. We can't just put blinders on and just act like it's not happening in Christianity today. This is why there's so many problems in so many churches. It's a really sad place where the church is at as a whole. He said, beware of the false prophets who come to you. Did you see that in the text? Who come to you. They actually come to you. Jesus tells us they come to us. We don't even have to go looking for them. They show up here at church. They're on TV. They're on the radio. They're on the social media. They're right there in your face. Subtle. The enemy tries to infiltrate from within, and that's why you need to be on guard for them. Be on guard for one another as well. Protect one another. Serve one another in this way. Search the Scriptures like the Bereans to see if what is being said is true. Listen to the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It said, Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul was saying was true. This is the Apostle Paul preaching, and the Brians are like fact-checking Paul. Like, wait a minute, hold on, hold on. We got to. Do- did he just quote? Uh, did he just quote Deuteronomy? Let's go see if he quoted. That. Okay, and then Paul. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay, that application. Okay. They 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 were looking to see if what Paul was saying was true. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament, and they're checking on him. This is good. Pastor Josh, have you ever been an heir? Oh, yeah. Don't, just don't even listen to my sermons in my early 20s. Just don't even listen to them, okay? They say until you preach a thousand sermons, like you just haven't even begun yet. You haven't even started until you get your thousand uh, sermons in. This happened somewhere around 30, uh, my early 30s. This is two, teaching two or three times a week. Over and over, repetition, failing in the text. Failing in the text, not being able to see. I go back and listen to some of those sermons. I'm like, ow, my ears. <laughs> you see, the way they train bankers to find a counterfeit dollar or $100 bill is that they handle, they make them handle real money all the time. Just handle lots of real money, lots of real money, lots of real money. And as they handle thousands and thousands and thousands of bills, and what happens is when the fake one comes along, they can see it and they can feel it. Immediately they know. This is how you spot the counterfeits. The same is true with the Word of God. We need to be handling this day and night. So when the counterfeit comes along, I say, that, that was sneaky. I like that sleight of hand that you did. I'll never forget, I was listening to a pastor one time, and he, uh, he, took, he somehow took the uh, parable of the faithful servant and, uh, and, and turned it over uh, to, to basically the accumulation of fruit. And... He said, what is this, you know, just being, I hate when preachers, you know, say, just be faithful, just be faithful, and we don't see any result of their fruit in front of us. The church, you know, where is all the fruit then? Where is all the people? Where is all the stuff? And it's like, we don't see lots of of fruit showing up. I'm like, 
hello? Jesus is declaring the fruit in the parable. The fruit is being faithful. Go tell that to Jeremiah, who was faithful to God and didn't have a single convert. Nobody came to God in Jeremiah's ministry. He messed up in everything. I'm thinking, what are we doing when we are changing? It's a subtle move, but it changes everything. We go from being faithful to now working on whatever the definition of fruitful is in that context, and boom, we're going to hammer after whatever fruitfulness is long-term, and we're going to do whatever it takes in order to show the world that we are fruitful. God's economy, it's backwards. Look at Jonah. He had the biggest megachurch in the history of churches. Do you remember what happened? Jonah says, I don't want to preach. I don't want any of these people, and I actually want them all dead. You want to know why? Because the Assyrians there in Nineveh, you know what they would do? They would cut people's tongues out. They would skin them alive, and they would build piles of skulls. Jonah says, God, throw fire down on that entire nation. God says, no, you're going to go and preach the gospel to them. He says, no, I'm not. I'm going on a cruise. <laughs> he gets on the boat, and he starts going away, and God says, that's it, you stubborn prophet. Send the whale. Send the whale. And the whale goes and eats him and barfs him up there on the beach. And Jonah's like, all right, that's it. Forget it. Then I'm going to condemn them all to hell and I'm out of here. You get one day of preaching and I'm out of here. He shows up and he starts saying, 40 days, God's going to toast this place. 40 days and you're all dead. God's going to kill you all, okay? All right, see you guys going back to the whale. I'm out. <laughs> he was faithful, reluctantly faithful. He was forced. And God causes the entire nation to repent. It says even the king of Nineveh repented and told all of the nation to repent and turn to God. And Jonah was ticked afterwards. He's mad. He goes and cries about it under a tree. The fruit is in the hands of God. The sign of fruit is faithfulness. We need people who would just be faithful to the Word of God, faithful to prayer, faithful to discipleship, and loving and serving their neighbor. Then God will bring forth whatever increase He desires. Yes, I become frustrated with this because those subtle moves are changing the face of the church. And now we have people no longer faithful to the text. He says they come in sheep's clothing. Remember those little Lacoste shirts? You know, the polo Lacoste with the, uh, the uh, alligator there? Oh, you like that? <laughs> Next level. I don't mess around, all right? Lacoste shirt. These guys are wearing sheep's clothing. They come in looking and reflecting the sheep on purpose. 
They even talk somewhat like a sheep, right? Bad, right? They, they have the talk of God and of Christianity and a Christ follower in their mouth. 1 John 4.1, the old man, the old apostle John, he says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God, for there are many false prophets in the world. The old man, the apostle John says, be careful. Somebody says, I got a word for you. I'm like, hold on. A word from where? I want to believe all things. I want to hope all things in the people in front of me. And I do so. And I will even, somebody like, tell me something. And I'll just be like, thank you. But we got to discern. We got to be careful. Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit, John says. Because inwardly, Jesus says they are ravenous wolves. They look like sheep on the outside. They got their polo with the sheep logo on there. But, and they may even talk like one to some degree, but on the inside, they're just a wolf. And they're not just a wolf, but a ravenous wolf. The word ravenous can also be translated a robber or a thief or a crook, a robbing wolf, a deceptive wolf. Many times these wolves are so deceptive, they actually believe that their preaching is true. They have become a true wolf in sheep's clothing. They literally believe their own stuff. Some think, well, if they have good motive in what they're doing, it must be okay, right? Wrong. The murderer, the pedophile, the thief, many times have been deceived so far as to think what they are doing in their twisted minds is somehow okay, is somehow the right, good thing to do for them. This is my truth, man. Let me live my life. Let me do my thing. No, no, I'm sorry, your truth is wrong, and we're not going to let you kill people and take advantage of children and steal from people. I'm sorry, your truth is wrong. I think Charles Manson thought that he was doing right. I think it, it was revenge for him. It was right. He, he was justified in what he was doing. I think Hitler thought what he was doing was right. He was cleansing the earth. He was justified. Those preachers stealing money from people think it's okay. They literally think, well, I'm a prophet of God. God has blessed me above other people, so I deserve more. And look at the blessings and promises are falling more on me because I'm doing God's work, so I deserve that. I deserve those 10 mansions and a couple jets. Why not? They literally have convinced themselves of this Though Jesus walked around with no place to lay his head, the apostles walked around with the clothes on their backs. Sure, there were wealthy people in the New Testament church who opened their homes so that people could do church in their house, praise God, and provided for people and fed people and took care of people. I'm not saying it's bad to be rich or wealthy, not at all. The Bible speaks to this. We know King David was filthy rich. We know Solomon was filthy rich. We know Abraham was filthy rich. What does God call the rich to do with their money? Be generous. That's it. Be generous. You've been gifted that by God to be generous and to take care of everyone around you. 
Those watered-down gospel preachers think that they are building a bridge to people by not preaching a full gospel sometimes. Those prosperity gospel preachers think they are preaching truth that God wants everyone to be wealthy, healthy, and prosperous. And if you aren't that way, you must be in sin. So sad for the old lady who is actually living righteously, walking with God, reading her Bible every day, giving to these preachers, and doing everything that's being said. And she is now feeling guilty like she is in sin because God has not blessed her with a million bucks. That's so sad and messed up. That's why I preach against that. Because I watched my grandma do this. For 20 or 30 years, I saw her write checks to these people on TV. I saw it. God sees her gift. God will honor it no matter what in the end because maybe she is. Maybe she wasn't able to see but I felt bad in the end. Here we are on food stamps and all this stuff in my house. We can barely pay the rent in my house. And we're trying to get the food together and all of this. My grandma built a farm in our backyard so that we have lots of food to eat. My brothers and I, we go back there. We eat organic, highest level every single day. We didn't know. God was taking care of us. It's always subtle. It's always sneaky. And that's why, look, I try to love and serve people at the highest level here in L.A., but man, I have seen more backflips and uh, roundabout this and that moves here in L.A. I mean, moves in L.A. like I've never seen anywhere. The moves are so slick. They're incredibly slick. This playground is at another level of street smarts here in this city, probably the same as in New York and other places like this. But praise God, church, we have the Holy Spirit living within us to help us discern, and watch this, even if you catch somebody from behind the scenes trying to work you over, you know what you do? Just love on them. You just serve them. You don't need to punch them in the face. You don't need to get mad at them. You just keep on loving them, though you can see them trying to work you over. Just keep loving them. Keep serving them. You know, people think they can work God over. They're going to work him. I'm going to work God. You watch this move. I'm going to pull on him. Mm. And the Lord sits back as a father in heaven and just loves his people. Keeps loving. Keeps serving. 2 Peter 2, 1 through 3, Peter, you know the big burly fisherman, the guy who walked on water? Him, this is what he says. There were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false prophets, teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teachings and shamefully and, and shameful immorally. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Peter said this 2,000 years ago. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. You leave it in the hands of God. Jesus goes on to say, you will know them by their fruits. How do you spot them? Look at their fruits. Be looking. Beware. Be aware. There are wolves in this city, people hustling, others everywhere. It's happening. 
Look at their teaching, look at their living, and again, look at their teaching and their living. That's all you got to do. Look closely at the teaching, look closely at the living. This is how you know if someone's telling the truth. They're going to tell you things you do not want to hear. They're going to tell you things that aren't strategic because it's sitting there in the text. This is how you know truth is coming at you. Romans 16, 17, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause division and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, it says. Okay, I know this sounds like a lot, but don't worry, it's not. I'm going to give you six things on how to spot a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay? I got to equip you with this. Pull out your toolbox. Please put these tools in there, okay? Number one, the wolf in preacher's clothing do not say certain things that Jesus does say. So they withhold the truth to win the approval of people. They tell half-truths. They don't emphasize the most important things Jesus is talking about. They won't say things like, you're a sinner. You're going to hell if you do not repent and put your faith in Jesus Christ. They're not going to say these things because this is dangerous territory. They're not going to talk about hot-button issues going on in our society because they're nervous, even though Jesus talks about them. A.W. Tozer said, the unattended garden will soon be overrun with weeds. The heart that fails to cultivate truth and root out error will shortly be a theological wilderness. Austin O'Malley said, those that think it permissible to tell white lies soon grow colorblind. This is what happens in the Christian church. The people don't really know what the Bible says because preachers won't preach it. So the people are colorblind by all the, the lies, half-truths in preaching. Sin, is sin really wrong? Is that really wrong? That's not really God's definition of marriage. Sex before marriage is fine and normal. God doesn't really hate divorce. Hell really doesn't exist. God will forgive me even if, though I take advantage of His grace every day. Don't be so radical a Christian. That's not Jesus. Stop being a fanatic. Have you read the Bible? Number two, the wolf in preacher's clothing wants to please people above God. They want to please people above God. They make people comfortable and God uncomfortable. They care more about what people think than what God thinks. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4. Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, Timothy. He was a young preacher. By his appearing and his kingdom, please, Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke. Uh, exhort with complete patience and teaching for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching but having itching ears they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions they're like okay let's go find a different teacher and we'll turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths as for you always be sober-minded enduring suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill your ministry these wolves are most of the time, great guys, likable, but they fear people more than God. They want to please the people instead of pleasing God. They refrain from speaking the truth to win more people to themselves. Point number three, the wolf in preacher's clothing doesn't talk about or explain sin, God's wrath, or hell. This is the big one. It was even in Jesus' day. The sad thing is by withholding information, the truth 
They lead people to the place they don't want to talk about hell. This has got to be the saddest thing ever. It's the person who dies and walks into eternity, and the Lord's like, do I know you? And you're like, yeah, remember I was at that church, remember? No, no, what do you mean? Yeah, but that preacher told me I was a Christian. It's like, yeah, but I mean, was there anything to show of that? Any faithfulness over time? I mean, what do you mean? What, what do you think it means to be a Christian? Well, I went to that church. What about calling on God to be the Lord and Savior over of your life? Repenting of sin, turning away from it, and walking with God all the days of your life. Choosing to love Him and love those around you. The fruit of faithfulness in your life. This is important. And this will be the saddest day in all of eternity. It's those who think they are Christian but walk in. And Christ denies them. He actually says it here at the end of Matthew 7. He says, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not do this, 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 this? And he will look at them and say, I'm sorry. Uh, I, don't know. I don't know you. No way is that happening here at Legacy. No way. Because I want, because I care about you, I love you, and I want to take the time to make sure that you understand what it means to be a Christian. There's no way. I would rather people say, you know what, I know, you know what, Josh told that I know exactly what it means to be a Christian, and I just don't want to be a Christian right now, and I fully understand what it means to, but I just don't want to. I would rather that than someone step into eternity surprised and be like, what? Point number four, the wolves in preacher's clothing don't preach repentance because this is something people don't like to hear. Stop living this way and start living for God. People don't like that. Stop being the captain of your own life and let God be the Lord and King over your life. The only problem is, is I, I would love to stop preaching repentance too, but Jesus preaches repentance and demands that I do as well. So I have to preach it as well. Number five, the wolves in preacher's clothing offers an easy salvation. Just come to Jesus. What does that mean? Just come to Jesus. Jesus? Like, who are you talking about? Who, who is this man? And what does he want from me? What, what does he require of me? Jesus said, count the cost before following me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me daily. Point number six, the wolves in preacher's clothing doesn't speak of holiness and obedience to God. They only speak of the grace and forgiveness of God. Now, the grace and forgiveness is the best part, no doubt, I love the grace and forgiveness. It's the best part. It's, it's really, it's everything. If you take that away, you don't have the gospel. It's the most beautiful thing. It's our motivation. It's what keeps us. It's what holds us all the days of our life in love and in relationship with God. What we must understand is that coming into relationship with God produces a new life. I become a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new, which means there is a new walk, a new obedience, a life that chooses and desires to reflect the holiness of God and to walk with Him. Nobody's perfect. That ain't going to happen until heaven. But surely something happens when someone goes from 
not walking with God to now walking with God as a Christian, now I am following Christ in His ways. Thus, my life looks different. There's a holiness and obedience about it. And it's not a bummer in the end. It's a beautiful thing. People see that like, dude, you're definitely different from us. And that's a good thing. I wish I could be more like that. I really want that in my life. I really want God in my life. I'm just having a hard time. Would you pray for me? I'll pray for you. Don't worry. I will pray for you. God's not expecting you to change today. He just wants you to come to Him. He'll help you change long term. You come to Him with your whole life. He will walk with you through life. It's a relationship with your Father. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated His own love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God. While we were on our worst day, He was dying for us to pay the penalty and the punishment for us so that we would never be punished and never have to pay that penalty. We have to be forgiven of our sin, come into relationship with our God, and walk with Him all the days of our lives. I'll leave you with this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 Legacy, please, more than ever before in this day and age. Please. Please. The marketing in our culture, in our nation, in our world is at a level I've never seen. They, I mean, you smell an orange and an orange pops up on your phone, okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, if you think you understand, it's interesting to watch how companies get you to buy their products. It's interesting to watch how humans get you to adopt ideas. It's interesting to watch how the culture, and I would even say further, the spiritual world is manipulating to get you to think and understand certain ways. The enemy has been studying humans for thousands of years. He is far more clever than we are. That is why 1 Thessalonians 5.21 test everything. Hold fast to what is true. Test everything and hold fast to what is true. More than ever before, please cling to the Word of God. Cling to your relationship with the Lord Jesus. Cling to Him. Because deception is at an all-time high. And it has caused us to be at war with each other. Hurting each other. I want to see unity. I want to see loving and serving one another as best that we can. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Father, we, we love you. We bless you. We thank you for all that you're doing in us. Lord, navigate. Please be the navigator. Navigate us in the storms of life. There are so many things going on that are so difficult to sift through and understand Oh, Lord, you be the source of our truth. You be the place of our rest. We thank you for the work that you're doing. We ask, Lord, that you would be with us this week. Help us. Anchor us in the ways of you. Anchor us in your truth. We turn away from sin. We turn to you with all of our hearts. We make you Lord and Savior again. We believe on you and your word and your ways. Bless us. Keep us safe and close to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.